Hello and welcome to Evergreen Church Sermon Podcasts. Tune in every week for our sermon series on prayer. We continue the sermon series about prayer, with great prayers in the Bible Episode 2, Daniel. Hey, it's good to see you this morning. If I haven't met you, I'm Pastor Lance. We are here to worship the Lord, and so I'm going to start by reading um, from Psalm 63, uh, verses 1 through 4. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, and behold, your power and your glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name, I lift up, I will lift up my hands. Okay, I'm going to do something that's going to be really mean. I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to picture saltine crackers with lots of salt on them. And I want you to eat them. I want you to picture that. I want you to really, I want you to picture, I want you to feel how it just sucks all the moisture out of your mouth. Okay? Okay, you can open your eyes. That quenches the thirst. I pray that we will have a spiritual thirst for the Lord today and that he alone can quench that thirst. Well, we are continuing in our series on um, what's called Great Prayers of the Bible. And today, um, we're going to be looking at the prayer that Daniel prays. Now, I'll be the first to admit, this is a long section of Scripture. And um, just so you'll know, if you didn't already know it, I don't do well reading out loud, and the longer the passage, the harder it is for me. So if I make mistakes, uh, grace and mercy will abound. This is God's Word. Let's hear God's Word. This is Daniel chapter 9, verse 1. In the first year of Darius, the son of Ahasuerus, by, des- by descent a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reigns, reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books of the number of years that, according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet, must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments, we have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, our fathers, and to all the people of the land. To you, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us, open shame, as at this day, to the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them, 
because of, tre of the treachery that they have committed against you. To us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God belong mercy and forgiveness, for we have rebelled against him and have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God by walking in his laws, which he set before us by the servants, his prophets. All Israel has transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey your voice. And the curse and oath that are written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured out upon us because we have sinned against him. He has confirmed his words, which he spoke against us and against our rulers and who ruled us by bringing upon us a great calamity. For under the whole heaven, there has not been done anything like what has been done against Jerusalem. As it is written in the law of Moses, all this calamity has come upon us, yet we have not entreated the favor of the Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. Therefore the Lord has kept ready the calamity and has brought it upon us, for the Lord our God is righteous in all the works that he has done, and we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand, and have made a name for yourself, as at this day we have sinned, we have done wickedly. O Lord, according to all your righteous acts, let your anger and your wrath turn away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy hill, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem and your people have become a byword among all who are around us. Now, therefore, O our God, listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Do not delay for your own sake, O my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. Let's pray. Father, what a, what a powerful, powerful prayer. Give us insight. Help us to hear your word. Lord, help us to be like Daniel. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I want to give you just a brief history lesson in case uh, sometimes I need a, a refresher course. But the people of God, uh, shortly after Solomon's death, 
uh, were split in the Holy Land. The northern kingdom was called Israel. The southern kingdom was called Judah. Both of those kingdoms did that which is detestable to God over and over and over and over again. And over and over and over again, God sent prophets to them to, to draw them back to himself, to warn them, and, and said, if you don't come back, then, then there will be judgment. The northern kingdom of Israel was even more detestable in their practices than the southern kingdom, although the southern kingdom was not much better. There were only just a very few good kings in the northern kingdom, and they would try to set things right in terms of worship of God, uh, but as soon as that king would die, immediately they'd go back to worshiping all the Baals and the Asherah poles and everything like that. And after prophet after prophet after prophet, God brought Assyria in to discipline his people. And Assyria did. And what Assyria did is not only did they conquer the land, uh, they took all men and women and children out of the land. They only left the elderly, and then they sent people back in to help care for the vineyards and the things like that. But what Assyria liked to do so that the people who they conquered could not rise back up against them, they dispersed them throughout their empire to different towns and to different cities so that they would intermarry and thus they lose their identity as a people group. And that is exactly what happened. As a result, if you ever hear of the ten lost tribes of Israel, that's who they're referring to. The northern segment, gone for the most part. Sometime later, the, northern, the southern kingdom didn't, didn't get the message now, there were some good kings. Hezekiah was one of the good kings, and, you know, um, when all that was going on. And, um, and God had made a promise to Abraham that there would always be a remnant, and that through that remnant, the Messiah was going to come. God is so great. He did not have Assyria punish the southern kingdom. No, Assyria fell. Babylon was the one that God used, Nebuchadnezzar. And what Nebuchadnezzar did, they had a whole different theory of how to go about things. What they did is, again, they took all the men, the children, um, left some of the elderly, and um, moved them to Babylon, into their empire, but let them stay together and keep their ethnicity to keep their identity. In fact, uh, in reading the New Testament, you see that there were synagogues all over, uh, in, 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 uh, like up in, uh, up in um, Galilee and Capernaum and all those places. There were no synagogues in the Jewish faith until the temple was destroyed and the, the people of Judah were, were taken over to Babylon. They formed synagogues in Babylon for the first time so that they would be able to worship together even though they didn't have a temple. So that's where the whole synagogue thing came about. One of the people who was taken uh, from Jerusalem was Daniel. Daniel was a young man 
the historians think that he was someplace between 15 and 19. And he was not one of those that was doing those things that were abhorrent to God. Daniel was faithful. If you remember from the book of Daniel, Daniel and three of his buddies, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, had been selected because, again, one of the things that Nebuchadnezzar did is he would find the best and brightest, and, and those four Jews were selected, and they were given training, and even through all of that, uh, Daniel was faithful. The whole time, Daniel was faithful. At the time when um, Daniel prayed this prayer, the 70 years were up. Daniel was between the ages of 85 and 89. He was an old, an old guy. And he was reading through the book that talked about all the prophecies, and, and it was the book of dates. And, and he looked it up, and it struck him that Jerusalem is in ruin because of our sinfulness. And we have not done anything about it. So what Daniel does is he takes off his royal robes and all that because he was up there, put on sackcloth and ashes, and went into mourning and weeping and prayer. Here's what... It says, Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting, sackcloth, ashes. A little bit later, O Lord, belongs righteousness, but to us open shame. As this day the men of Judah to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to all Israel, those who are near and those who are far away, and all the lands to which you have driven them because of the treachery that they have committed against you, to us, O Lord, belongs open shame to our kings, to our princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. We have not entreated the favor of our Lord our God, turning from our iniquities and gaining insight by your truth. I want you to see what, what's happening here is a righteous man who lived a righteous life, not perfect, but righteous. He is taking the sins that were heaped on generations of unfaithfulness of not only Israel, but of Judah. And he's saying, we did it. I did it. Why? Because I'm a part of that people group. I'm a part of the group that turned its back on you, Lord God. We don't see that very often, where someone who is basically innocent of all the crud that went on all the stuff that was so against Scripture. But he goes before God and says, we did this. And then he's going to say, we repent. But he is doing it for his people group. 
So I want to shift gears because I'm going to go from back then. I'm going to use a couple other scripture passages right now. Remember the story of uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah? Just before God destroys Sodom and Gomorrah, what does he do? He's, he's, he's there with a couple of angels. He's talking to Abraham. And Abraham, uh, we see him bargaining with God in prayer. God, if there's 50 righteous, will you spare the city? God says, okay. How about for, for 45? Okay. How about for 40? How about for 30? And you can get... Normally the auction goes bigger, but in this case it's, it's going smaller. And it gets down to 10. What if for 10? And God said, I'll do it. Abraham didn't go any lower than 10. Do you know why? Because Abraham knew that there was not one righteous person in Sodom and Gomorrah. You say, well, Lot, his nephew was there. Read about Lot. Lot was anything but righteous. There wasn't a single righteous person that was there. But yet, God still acted and saved Lot. Um, oftentimes we like to think that, that, that we are righteous, but it says in Romans that there's none righteous, not even one. Not you, not me, nobody is righteous. So this first section I'm calling the reality. The reality back in, in Daniel's day was that there were sins of the people that had not been confessed and not been repented. And so the people were still in bondage in Babylon. Now I'm going to shift gears to us today. We live in a... I'll just pick on us as a country because I can't... I can't say we because I'm not a, I, I don't, I'm not a citizen of another country, but we have people here who are. There is no perfect country. There is no righteous country, period. All countries are fallen. Why? Because they have imperfect fallen people who live in them and govern them. It doesn't matter whether it's Republican, Democrat, Green Party, Blue Party, Pink Party, Purple Party. Um, um, none of them are righteous. None. 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 We have been fortunate that God's judgment has not come upon us yet. I can tell you that God's judgment came upon Rome. The, the, Rome was in power for about 700 years. And the first 300 years were of, of great expansion. The, the next... Um, 300 were, were, were a, kind of a plateau, and they started going downhill, and that was when the Caesars started, when, the, when they stopped having a Senate um, and ruled that way. And then they had several hundred years of decline. No one repented for Rome. Rome got beaten by barbarians, untrained. God's judgment? I don't know. If you take a look at most of the countries of Europe that were super powerful early on, whether it would be Spain or Great Britain or any of the rest of those, most of them lost all that power. They weren't perfect either. 
What about the Soviet Union? Super, super powerful. I think God brought his judgment there because they persecuted the church to no end. They couldn't kill it. In fact, the underground church thrived in Russia, even when Russia was, I mean, the Soviet Union, when they were so extreme. But God brought his judgment and tore the Soviet Union down. I look at our country. Every year, the percentage of people who not only on a, on a checklist would say that they believe in Christ, but actually live for Christ, the number goes down in relationship to the overall percentage of the, the population. Who's to blame for that? We are. Every single person who lives in this country and every single person who attends a church in this country and every single person who proclaims Christ in this country because we are that people. Maybe it wasn't us, per se, but we need to be the ones who stand before God, like Daniel did, or should I say kneel before God, and confess that we have sinned. The state of the church today in the United States is deplorable right now. We spend more time fighting amongst churches and theology beliefs, and I'm talking about churches that have great, they're biblical, and we fight amongst ourselves about all sorts of things that really have nothing to do with eternity. And Satan laughs, and he laughs. I think we need to be like Daniel and in the privacy of our homes, repent for we have sinned. That we, as people of this country and for people who are citizens of another country, for, for your own country or for here because you live here, to repent that we have let God down. Maybe not in big ways, maybe in small ways, but still we have. I see Daniel kneeling before God, confessing things that he didn't do, and saying, God, forgive us, restore us. And God did. God didn't use Daniel to do that. He used Ezra and Nehemiah. And they went back and they rebuilt Jerusalem, they rebuilt the temple, and you know the story from there. Interesting thing, if, if you're doing the year through the Bible um, on the one that it, it doesn't have five days off, um, we, we got done with Job this week. Job thought that he was righteous. You know, you, know, you read the whole first section of that, and, I, and um, Job thought he knew better than God did. And then about the last six or eight chapters of it, God sets him right. And it is not until Job confesses before God in the last chapter of Job that I have sinned. I have sinned. But not only that, it says, after Job confessed and prayed for his three buddies who didn't turn out to be really good buddies, it was only after that Job did both of those things that God blessed him and gave him more than double of what he had before. 
God answers. God responded to Daniel's prayer. God responded to Job's prayer. I'm confident that God will respond to us and to our prayers. You know, we need to pray to God for, um, for our country, for our churches, individual churches and churches with, you know, for all of us, that God would forgive us. We may be the only ones that are doing that, but God can still answer. He changed the history for the Jewish people from Babylon. You know, he changed Job's life to one of tremendous blessing. And he can act in similar ways for us today. Friends, let's come before the throne of grace, confessing sins that maybe we haven't even done, but we have because we're a part of this people group. We're a part of God's family. Let's bow together and let's pray. Using the words from Daniel's prayer, I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. We have, we have sinned and done wrong. We have not listened. We have transgressed your law and turned aside, refusing to obey. We have sinned and done wickedly. Father, we confess for ourselves individually, seeking your mercy. Lord, we confess for our church here, and we seek your mercy. Father, we confess for all the churches here in the Graham area, and we seek your mercy. Father, we pray for all the churches in the state of Washington. We confess and seek your mercy. Lord, for those who are not involved in, oh, and I have to pray for our nation, and for, for all the churches in our country. Lord, we confess and seek your mercy. Lord, for those that don't know you and have never stepped foot in a church, Lord, we confess for them because we have sinned and we seek your mercy for us and for them. Lord, for those that, that we might not get along with, Lord, we confess for them and we seek your mercy. Father, for enemies, we confess and seek your mercy, Lord. For the people of the Ukraine, we confess 
and seek your mercy. And for the Russians who have invaded, Lord, we confess and seek your mercy. Because Jesus, you were the one that interceded for us on the cross when we did not deserve your mercy or your grace. But you gave it to us. So, Father, I pray your blessing upon all those people that we have just confessed for. That you would bless each of us as an individual. That you would bless each of us in our families. That you would bless this church that we prayed for and each church here in the Graham area. And on and on and on through all the things we prayed for. But I pray that you'd even bless, bless the people that don't know you that maybe they can see and feel the touch of God. Thank you that you are a merciful, loving God. Boy, we sure don't deserve it, but yet you are faithful and you forgive. Thank you. For it's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Remember, God is faithful and just, and when we have confessed sins, he forgives them. We walk out of here as forgiven people. We walk out of here to a place that has been forgiven as well. And so God indeed is a wonderful, wonderful God. Hey, have a great week serving the Lord. Next week, we will continue with our sermon series on great prayers in the Bible. Thank you for joining us today.